This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stuart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Good morning. Surprise. Jim and his shorts are back in the back. Sorry if you're offended by that. First thing I saw this morning is throwing me off the whole time. Amen. Yeah, that's so true. Um, take a look at your... Uh, we're going to talk about the, the very last verse before Paul gets into the final greetings and the uh, kind of the closing of the letter. So we're going to um, read through a good portion of it. Uh, Jim's volunteered. Thank you for uh, reading it this morning because my voice is a little on the rough side. Um, but I wanted you to take a look at the int- uh, introduction. Look at that first section. Um, and as we're reading through this, I'm, I'm insanely visual. Uh, usually I'm, I have a projector and PowerPoint, and that's just kind of the way I'm, I'm, I'm wired. Um, but I wanted to just kind of show you the, kind of the progression that Paul takes through here. And just kind of give I always work really well if I've got a, like a framework, and then I'm putting all the parts on the shelf, you know, and it just kind of helps me. But Paul in his letter to Colossians starts out with a greeting. Then he talks about their faith in Christ, the preeminence of Christ, the reconciliation in Christ, the sacrificial service of Christ. And then it breaks up in the next chapter, not, not philosophy but Christ, not legalism but Christ, not carnality but Christ. You see a pattern there? You know, uh, everything, it's all been about Christ above all. Christ is, Christ is the center. He is the Sunday school answer. Um, the character of the new man. Now Paul starts to turn it a little bit. It's not talking about you know general things. He's talking about the individual people themselves. The character of the new man, the Christian home, and then today we're going to talk about these uh, what are called Christian graces, and then final greetings and closing exhortations. So Jim, I just that way it kind of gives you a, a framework. <clears throat> All right, so we'll start with Colossians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you, as it is also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As you learned from also Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ in your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created there in heaven and there in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. 
and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, that are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ, for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you are also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in the false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. 
in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you've put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you have also a master in heaven. Go ahead. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I might make it manifest as I also ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Excellent. So what we've just done is essentially what not only um, they did in the, the church of Colossae, uh, which is to read the, 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 the letter that Paul wrote to them, right? Uh, but it's, it's predominantly what uh, you would have found a majority of the early church doing as well. Uh, reading the letters that Paul... And I mean, think of it this way. You have someone who is an apostle, who is, was directly under the ministry and, 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 and directly in, in uh, line with what Christ was doing, all right? You have one of the apostles addressing your church and the issues going on in your place. I mean, uh, that, it just doesn't get any more direct than that, okay? So, uh, so that's, uh, that's what's really interesting about the way that, that, they, um, that, that God put together the New Testament because you have all these um, uh, all these letters to individuals, and it's very personal. Um, so, looking at the, the the area that we're going to talk about today, um, starting at verse two, look at your notes, uh, Colossians uh, four two through four six. Um, continue, and in verse two, there is the, the word continue uh, speaks of whether uh, other translations use devote or continue steadfastly. Uh, be earnest and unwearied, uh, persistent, or continue in. And I'm going to have to tell you, um, uh, prayer is not my gift. Uh, how many people here would say that prayer is, is something that, you know, is a gift of theirs? It's something that they do often and so forth. I know you, especially Darla and so forth. Um, it's not mine. 
Um, the only way, um, well, let me tell you, the, tell you this way. When I went into Bible college, I came out of uh, a, uh, a background with no church whatsoever, okay? So here I am. I'm, I'm at this really great Bible college in upstate Nor- New York called Word of Life, and it's kind of like a spiritual boot camp. Uh, you go up there for nine months of Bible training, and then you have a three-month internship. So, I mean, it's kind of it's pretty intense. And uh, you have 500 students. They're all in the same class, and you're all studying the Word together. And it's this supercharged um, discipleship atmosphere. And when I heard someone saying that they had been praying for two hours that morning, I'm like, oh, wow, I need to be praying every morning for two hours like them. And then I'd hear someone else come along and they'd say, you know, uh, we, we've been out evangelizing, you know, door to door for the last three weeks. I'm like, I, I need to be going out and I need to be evangelizing door to door, you know, for at least three weeks. You know, I have this personality that, uh, you know, if I don't get an A on a test, I, I blew it. You know, that's just the way my brain works. All right. So I'm, I'm looking at all these things, and then when Jimmy DeYoung comes along, Jimmy DeYoung taught at Word of Life there and, and so forth, I knew Christ was coming back next week. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and we, we, just, we just all need to go to Israel. And, uh, you know, the ark's there. You know, we need to go find it. You know, this will change things or whatever. You know, just a lot of excitement and not much wisdom, and that's part of this lesson too. So, um, so <clears throat> for me... Uh, prayer and it says continue. I'm I'm pretty much in an attitude of prayer just about all the time, and that's just the way I, I look at it. I think that's what Paul is meaning here: is that you know we need to be in an attitude of prayer, or we need to be talking with God through our day. You know, um, I used to explain it this way: that if you know if if my shoelace came untied and I bent over and someone shot a gun and it went past me and it missed me. God untied the shoe, right? It wasn't, that wasn't a mistake. It was, you know, it, it's not seen as the most, you know, you know spiritual thing, right? The, your shoelace coming untied. But God works through those things. God works through things all day, every day. And, you know, I, I, I think I've said it here before, you know, my prayer altar, it looks like the steering wheel of a Ford Expedition. That's when I, now I have a terrible time, you know, driving at night and, and, and I, I do a good bit of driving uh, and, and so forth, but that's my time. That's when I get to talk with the Lord, you know, really, maybe more intensely than I am all day long. But uh, my mind is constantly on what God's doing in my day. Um, have I prayed over computers? Oh, yeah. I've anointed them with oil. I've, <laughs> I've, uh, especially when the server, you know, burnt up on, on a weekend and so forth. And, you, you know, uh, but that's what I think he's talking about. He's talking, because the next phrase is earnestly pray, being vigilant. Wait, uh, vigilant meaning wakeful, watchful, alert, aware. Um, uh, and, and then it says, in it with thanksgiving. Giving thanks, uh, giving thanks, and watching Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is often associated with prayer. That's your blank there. The first prayer, uh, first blank was um, that private. It's your private life. Helps if I use a set of notes that has the answers written in already. Um, so Paul Paul really associates prayer and Thanksgiving at the same time, and again. I think it's our attitude. 
I think it's uh, in, in Ephesians, it says, um, Ephesians 6 eight says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Paul's asking and telling them uh, to pray. I mean, this is a common thing. And looking at the, I listed three verses here, Ephesians 6, 8, 18, Romans 12, 12, and Philippians 4, 6. All of those, what are those? They're all epistles. They're all letters, again, to churches, right? So this is, this is something that Paul, is, and, and you can find it in nearly every one of Paul's writing, where he's asking people to pray. And... You know, um, the, I, I take a lot of comfort in the fact that the apostles fell asleep while they were praying because that's usually where I end up, okay? Um, if I'm, you know, up in the morning, I'm a morning person and so forth, but for some reason, as I start to pray, you know, <laughs> sleep comes back on me. And, I, you know, you call that, you know, the devil working on you, you know, and, and, or whatever like that, but, you know, I've found what works for me is walking in this all day long, every day, being prayer, uh, prayerful and thankful, and it changes my attitude. It changes the way I look at the world, and it also changes what I say and what I do for and with other people. And that's really kind of the second part of this, and we'll talk about that in just a second, kind of expressing this attitude out in, in, into, what, into our lives. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Then Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then there's lots and lots of other verses. All right. Picking up in verse 3, Paul kind of converts this over to, Hey, you know, uh, I practice what I preach. Okay. So Paul's going to say, uh, meanwhile, pray, uh, uh, meanwhile, praying also for us, for God would, uh, uh, that God would open us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may uh, make manifest as I, I, as I ought to speak. Um, Paul doesn't pray for his circumstances. Where he's at right now, he's in prison. This is his first imprisonment. And so he has, um, this is not Paul's life that he's known up until this point. He has been a, uh, a uh, by all means, a uh, public leader or a, um, a, uh, a government official in, in many respects in the Jewish community. A highly, highly respected, respected person. And he's now sitting in prison. So for him, now, you know, my father-in-law uh, went into surgery last, last week, and the first thing I did was call the church and ask people to pray, you know, for our circumstances and for my wife driving to Michigan, right? That was for us, that I wanted God to fix something or do something or whatever like that. That's not Paul's prayer. It's not what he's asking them to do. He's asking them to to pray that God would open up a door for him to speak the gospel. He was focused. And his life was focused at that moment. And, and uh, every moment, I, I, as far as I can see, uh, since his uh, experience with Christ on the Damascus Road, uh, you know, you come face to face with Jesus Christ incarnate. Uh, it's going to change you. 
So he, and, and as we come face to face with him too, either through his word or through prayer, those are our vehicles that we're given. So, so Paul asks uh, for prayer, not for circumstances, but rather for the message of the gospel. That's your blank there. Paul actually often made this request. And you can see again, Romans, Ephesians, 1 Thessalonians. What are those? Those are all letters. Those are all epistles. Those are all his communication to his people. And we kind of get a glimpse into that, you know, the, 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 the work. You know, he would, he would set up, he, Paul would go to a, to a city. He hadn't been to Colossae yet, but he, Paul would generally go into a city. He would, you know, preach the gospel. He would see God work and people convert. And then he would set up a church, a body of believers to work together to, to continue to grow. And then he would leave, and these letters are going back to in straightening out a few things here. And you know, in Colossae, we saw what he's been straightening out there. So I, I just really feel like that, you know, here we are. We went through all the things that he wanted to address in the church, and this is the last thing he says to them before, um, before he closes out and does all his greetings and so forth. So... There's a couple of different ways you can look at this. Typically in Hebrew writings, you have your, the, the ending is going to be your climax. Usually you can see emphasis either through the words that they use, through how many times they reference something, or uh, specifically if they say, like, verily, verily, I say unto you. I mean, they're, they're building an intensity. Or you see it in the position in the text. And that's where we're at. We're, and to me, this kind of speaks of this is... This is, this is the pinnacle. This is the really... And, and for him to tell us to A, pray, and B, to walk in wisdom. Um, you know, and where it's positioned here. I mean, this is, this is his, his, his main point. And I, I think uh, distinctly after he just went through the whole Christian home, which is really stepping on toes, you know, uh, I think this is this is really what I'm saying is the, is the climax. So we, I, I think it's just really important for us to give it a lot of attention. Um, so let's go on to the next section, and then I'll come back and we'll tie it all together. Because looking at the top of the next page, walking in wisdom, what, what you say, or this is your public life. <clears throat> so now we had Paul talking about our private life and prayer. Now we're going to talk about our public life, I think. And the way that they, these two are contrasted, or really they work together, is that we're not only praying, that's us and God, right? No one else is involved with it. But then you have that same attitude making manifest, uh, manifesting itself and where he's asking us to walk in wisdom. And what, he, what does he talk about wisdom? What is the expression of wisdom we talk about here? He says walk or be be live, act, conduct yourselves, how you behave. That's that blank there, how you behave. But walk in wisdom. This is the Greek word, Sophia. Uh, you can find it throughout Colossians. But it's, here's the direction. Toward those who are outside or toward outsiders. Towards them that are without, those that are without. What that's meaning is, you know, walk in wisdom as those that are outside the family of faith see you. They should, you should be walking in wisdom. So if we're going around all day, every day in an attitude of prayer, and that attitude of prayer is one of thanksgiving, 
the thing we're most thankful for is the presence of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the gift of salvation that we've had. All right? The way it works its way out into our, our life is um, in verse 6, that your speech... Let your speech, your conversation, everything you say, your words, that's where it's working its way out. So he's got our prayer life in private and our public life is essentially what we say. And that's how we express wisdom. Why? Why is this so important? Well, I skipped the line there at the end of verse 5. Redeeming the time. We don't know how long we each have on this earth, but we're, this is our one and only opportunity that we, as believers, have an opportunity to, A, one, worship God freely and of our own will. In heaven, it'll be, not that it won't be, I'm not willing, but in heaven, it's kind of an automatic thing, right? So this is the time that we get to do. Every single thing that we do, day in, day out, this is the life that God's given us to worship Him with. And what we say, what comes out of our mouth, is vitally important because it's what everybody else outside of the faith sees. They don't care, you know, you hear, you know, uh, I'm scared sometimes that... You know, some things in the news get representatives, representative of what the Christian church says. And I think it's just, I can, I can tell you right now that what somebody does or says for me tells me exactly where they're at. Um, I made a really, um, uh, I, I, I've hired a lot of people um, and I've always said that there's three things that I, I look for in, in hiring someone. I look for their uh, moral compass because you can't teach that. I look for their work ethic because you can't teach that. And I look for a general skill set in the area that I'm not hiring for because I want to set them up for success. All three of those things are what they say or what they're doing with their life. Uh, and that tells me exactly where they're at. So... That's what I'm saying to you is we've always got to be careful what we say. Um, uh, the way he says it, it says, always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Now, I don't have a problem at all with the salt part because that just rolls off of me like I'm, I'm about as blunt as a, you know, two by four. Um, uh, I, I have a, uh, I've made a, especially in my 20s, I made a real lifestyle of saying what, exactly what was on my mind, um, usually at the most inopportune time. Uh, and I've got a lot of really good examples of that that I could use. Uh, but last week, um, I had an opportunity to speak with this young man at Berry College um, that uh, wanted to, you know, wanted to, to date Bethany and uh, we have a rule in our household if, if someone wants to date one of you that they need to call me mm -hmm. if they can't call me then they can't date you so we got into a conversation with him and this was an, uh, an opportunity for me to express wisdom and have gracious speak why? 
uh, I don't know whether he's inside or outside at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know where he's at. So, uh, and I'm preparing this lesson, so this uh, flashes through my mind, and God's like, Dave, you've got an opportunity here. You need to have a balanced conversation with him. So I talked to him about his, his uh, church background. He said everything that a young southern gentleman would say. We go to church, we've done this, we've done that, but nothing about his personal relationship with Christ. And then I, I came back around and, and asked him a couple other you know, questions, and I, it was obvious that he was, he was not in the family of believers. Okay? So, hmm, all right. Uh, this puts me in a, it, now I have an opportunity to have this balanced conversation of grace and salt. And it took me about an hour, hour and 15 minutes or so, to explain to him why he's not going to date my daughter. And, um, and this is something that, you know, we have this, uh, I guess, uh, call, uh, this uh, way of working with my daughters that if you want me to be the heavy, that's my responsibility and I'm all there. I'm ready and willing and I'll jump in the car if I need to and so forth. That's just the way. So that was, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, Lord, here's my, here's my illustration for Sunday school. Because <laughs> it was, it, it was I, I could have just blown them off or I could have just said, no way, you know. Uh, or, you know, there's a lot of things, other things I thought of saying. <laughs> uh, but, but um, you know, that was my, and, and I'm keeping the conversation rolling with this boy. You know, he's, he's a freshman. He's a football player. He's, you know. Uh, whatever, and, 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 and you know, I, I was his age and at school, and I knew it was on my mind, and, you know, so, uh, so it gave me an opportunity to be very, very uh, tactful and gracious and, and express that wisdom, um, which 15 year, 10, 15 years ago wouldn't have happened. <laughs> it would have been just very straightforward. And, and so I feel like this conversation is going to continue. And, and he went back and apologized and to, to Bethany. And, and uh, no, they're not dating. Uh, <laughs> not on your life. No. <laughs> so uh, so that, that, that's, that's an example, I think, of what Paul's talking about here. Is that, you know, uh, we, are, are we, we need to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside right? Redeeming the time because it's that important, right? And then, and then he gets really specific here. He says, let your speech be always, uh, speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. And I, you know, I, I, I have this, uh, um, this gray hair on the top of my head that, it, that has changed my perspective in things. And um, I had a second opportunity this week uh, to express wisdom. <laughs> and um, uh, I was asked to do something um, uh, Friday of a holiday weekend that was going to take about three to four hours to, get to, to accomplish. I had been uh, feeling sick for two days. And um, I feel that God... As, as I'm walking to have this conversation, I know it's coming. I'm walking down there and I'm saying, I can either respond as I have 
in, earlier in life, or I can I know this is going to happen whether I want it to or not. So I can change the way that I'm approaching this. We turned the whole situation. Um, uh, I had the right people there. I brought them uh, brought them in. We accomplished it in about two hours. And a lot of it was me straightening out my team's attitude toward doing this last-minute project and so forth that should have been thought through and, and such. Um, and I found myself quoting this exact. Look, you know, it's our opportunity to take care of this and make it happen. We're going to fix this, and not only are we going to fix it, we're going to fix it better than what they asked for. All right, and that's going to be our attitude toward doing this. And it completely changed the whole situation. We went from, you know, uh, where previously we, we may have still done it, but it would have been done grudgingly. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, we were being gracious. We were, we were taking care of someone who was in a tough spot and that type of thing. And, and so I think, you know, that came from, that response came from what was back in the previous verse. I think that whereas con, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant, vigilant in, uh, in it with thanksgiving. That's where that came from. So I think the private life of prayer affects the public life of what we say. And that's essentially what I wanted to um, come down. And um, the very last part of verse 6. It says, we're going to let your speech always be with grace, season with salt, and the salt. Then this last verse, uh, verse uh, last part of this verse, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. <clears throat> um, and being that Paul was just talking about us praying for him to give an opportunity to express the gospel being that the rest of the context of this, I think this has a lot to do with giving a, giving a word of testimony to the hope that is within us. And that's something that I did at Bible College a lot. I mean, we had to have our 30-second testimony, our three-minute testimony, and our 30-minute testimony. You know, you had to have all three of those ready to go. So I want to make that as a matter of homework for everyone here, Okay. Uh, I want, you know, most of us go out to eat or go home to eat with other people and so forth. Take a second and just, hey, you know, this is my testimony or just take an opportunity to share your testimony with someone around the table, with someone around the, the lunch table today and just say, hey, you remember when this happened or, or whatever. Work, it, work that into a conversation, Okay. Because I, I just think that we don't practice that enough in any way, shape, or form, especially down here in the South where it's all kind of assumed. Um, so, how, what, so what's the point? Number one, uh, keep your head down. And how do we personalize that? Make prayer a lifestyle. Um, just make it a regular part of what you do. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to be a one-time event. It doesn't have to be something you stop and do. Although, man, let me tell you, I really appreciate the people that do because it's just not, it's not the way I'm wired. Um, number two, uh, 
wisdom comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Wisdom comes out, and it, 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 you know, if you have a great uh, prayer life and your attitude's all correct, but what comes out of your mouth is sour, that's all they got to work with. You haven't given anyone else something else to work with about the hope that's in you. Number three, uh, know the hope. And how do we practice that? How do we personalize that? Practice your testimony. Practice my testimony. And do, uh, let me just encourage you to do that today. So in the fact that we've been talking about praying, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for um, bringing this group of believers together. Um, this, is a, this is my family uh, in Chattanooga. And uh, Lord, we just wanna, I just want to thank you for everyone uh, that's here. I pray, God, and lift them up to you that they might uh, walk in an attitude of prayer this week, that they might express that uh, through what they say. And we'll give you the thanks, the honor, the glory, and the praise for all that we say and do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.